Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast. This is a place where we talk with marketers about the use of agile project management techniques in marketing teams. Today, we have an interesting conversation. Uh, but before we jump into that, I'd like to introduce my co-host today, Roland Smart. Hey, Frank. Thanks for having me here. I'm looking forward to talking with Ian Bruce today, who's the Vice President of Corporate Communications at Intralinks. Ian, welcome aboard. It's good to be here. Thank you. Well, this conversation today kind of stemmed from a conversation I had probably Ian and I, full disclosure, worked together in my last long stay in Waterfall Land working at Novell back in there about five years ago. And I was dabbling a little bit with Agile. And then uh, Ian and I, we sp- so Ian and I had some conversations, I think, over lunch. And he was talking about how his team was trying Agile with mixed results. And I thought today maybe we could spend some time exploring some of that and talking a little bit about how it's what's worked, what hasn't worked. And so why don't we start with Ian? Can you share a little bit about what some of your experiences are with Agile? Sure. Thanks, Frank. So you're, you're right, Frank. You know, we had um, some mixed experiences with that waterfall process back at uh, the BMF was, that was Novell. Since then, I've worked um, at a number of smaller companies where I think scale helps with concept of Agile and implementing Agile. So for a couple of years, I worked at uh, Avid, which is probably best known for its video and sound editing solutions. And there, we certainly had an Agile process that we tried to implement. More recently, for the last three years, I've worked at Intralinks, which is a cloud-based SaaS provider of collaboration solutions. So what's interesting about the company is that in some sense, our value proposition to our customers is an agile value proposition. We help them collaborate more efficiently, get their work done faster. So yeah, the value prop of the product itself that we're marketing is uh, in a sense agile. My experiences, Frank, have been mixed. I think on some projects, and I'm certainly happy to dig into some of the ones where I can point to some very significant successes. Yeah, in other areas where, as a publicly traded company, I think um, we're more hidebound by rules and regulations, I'm not even sure Agile would uh, would help at all. So, yeah, mixed, mixed experiences. I'm interested in hearing you talk a little bit about the relationship between the product or the service that you're selling to your customers and your internal process. Are there things that you learned from the way that your customers were using your service that informed the way that you're doing Agile? Excellent question. Um, yes. So when I joined the company about three years ago, we were just about to launch a new product. It's called Intralinks Via, and it is a easy-to-use collaboration solution designed for high-value use cases. So it's for organizations that um, are geographically disparate or have a, a mobile workforce or perhaps have a complex supply chain and in any event need to share valuable regulated information of some kind across that network of people. And so the value proposition there is how can you keep information flowing, keep the collaborative process going when the information that you're collaborating on is sensitive in some sense. Um, and so that was the value proposition behind the product. We eat our own dog food here, so we use the product um, when we do our own projects. Uh, we are a very geographically dispersed company. Uh, we operate internationally. So yeah, we learned a lot both from using the product ourselves, but also a lot from our customers and their experiences trying to share information, often in very difficult circumstances and where agility is critical. I'll give a a simple example. We have a customer called Lawyers Without Borders. They're uh, the legal equivalent of um, Doctors Without Borders. And they operate in countries where rule of law is, is problematic and they promote rule of law in those these countries that are daily headlines for us. And there they're trying to 
share very sensitive information with their field workers. And, you know, if they lose control of that information, the consequences can be fatal, literally. So they need to have easy access to legal documentation, uh, case files, whatever it might be, but they need to prescribe how that information is shared very carefully. And for a lot of our customers, that's the rub. They want to be agile, they want to move information around very quickly, but um, they have processes and they have procedures in Lawyers Without Borders case to, to keep their workers safe. But in other cases, it's you know to protect IP as an example in a marketing department. So it, it was interesting for us to explore those boundaries between the, the desire to work quickly and be agile, but at the same time to protect the interests of your organization. So can you give us a sense of what Agile looks like in your organization? I think there are some places where Agile is uh, flourishing and where we have invested a lot of energy in making sure that we um, operate in an Agile way. Um, you know, our, our company has a product development process that is Agile, and so it's, it's not an unusual concept in our company. An example of where I think some of where Agile has been extremely successful is you know, we run a lot of fairly intricate campaigns here. And it's easy, I think, for us to get lost in that complexity in a long-running campaign with an outcome, you know, several months hence. It's very easy, I think, for us to, you know, craft a very rigid campaign plan around that and forget the needs to react to market realities and react to changing con market conditions or react to the feedback you get from customers and partners and whoever else that is involved in the process. An example of where you know we've, we've used Agile, I think, fairly successfully is we, um, we sell to the M&A industry. So large-scale uh, M&A deals are done on our platform. And we had done some research with a, uh, an organization in London that showed how uh, corporations can be successful conducting M&A deals. And, you know, very, very large scale research project that looked at 20 years of data. I mean, this was a, a beast. And it was very easy for our organization to get lost in that complexity. And as we started to, you know, surface the results and bring them to market, to forget the some of the obvious things we needed to do and also to be able to react to some of the corporations that we had discovered were particularly good at M&A. So as we started to talk to the market about um, the results of this large-scale piece of research, you know, we were getting a lot of feedback about uh, the successes and failures that they also thought influenced the M&A process, and we just weren't able to react to that. We started to work in an agile methodology with that, with our sales team, as we engaged with customers, and that made the whole process much more successful. We had a cadence of meetings that at one point was daily. We were talking to you know about two or three hundred organizations globally, and had a methodology to you know take the feedback we were getting from these from these customers and prospects and use it effectively to uh, change direction a little on on the campaign messaging, as an example. So can I ask a follow-up question about how you collaborated with sales? That's something I'm particularly interested in as a marketer. You, f you framed up what you were doing as a campaign, and it sounded like you were getting feedback along the way that was causing you to iterate on the nature of that campaign. At, maybe that was something that had some marketing automation behind it or something else. If you could speak to how did you get the feedback from sales in those regular meetings? And, and do you ha did you have a cross-functional team that was sort of implementing their feedback in the campaigns that you were running on an ongoing basis? So th that cross-functional team was the critical element. So 
we uh, we started we, we got the initial round of survey results which identified a low in low hundreds um, a number of companies that were particularly adept at M&A based on historical evidence and so we wanted to contact those organizations some of which were existing customers many of which were many of which were not and so we had to create just a process for reaching out to the heads of corporate development at these organizations to let them know they've been identified as being as being successful in this world and just tell them a little bit about the research so if there was an existing customer the process was fairly straightforward because there was probably a relationship that existed out there in the field sales organization so that's where we started and you know we identified some of the key sales leads uh, globally and when we contacted these organizations we did it through the sales uh, teams either by email or by other means and then had a call that was led by me or someone from my team but the sales guy or gal was uh, involved in that conversation and then on the back end of these calls you know, we would get in a huddle and figure out, you know, what we learned from talking to these corporate development professionals and use that actually for a second round of the research findings where we, you know, use the qualitative evidence we got from these calls to help promote the campaign in different ways. But it also helped us then execute around some of the other calls we did with organizations that were not current customers and where we didn't have the relationship. And this is flexibility where we would do a call, which would typically, I mean, you know, we're talking 15, 30 minutes at the time talk to these very busy senior professionals in, in these large organizations, the likes of you know Google and EMC, and be able to come out the back of those calls with a lot of great intelligence for our organization about how they work, but also intelligence that would allow us to continue conversations with these organizations about how we could work together uh, and make them customers. It was a very collaborative process with the sales organization and was you know very, very successful. Is it more about account profiling prospecting or was it more about trying to capture the voice of the customer it was really both so okay. one of the great things about this campaign was the research we did highlighted people that were very very successful and was done with a university in london that was very well respected in m a circles and this is the first time this research had ever been done so we were able to get into a conversation with these people that was was very flattering to them but also gave them a lot of allowed us to enter into an open-ended conversation that got us a lot of intelligence about how they work, how they think about the processes that they engage in, all of which could help with product development and a whole bunch of other stuff, as well as give us additional information as, as we couched the research findings and wrote reports on it and the like. Well, it feels a lot like the way IT analyst firms work yeah. a lot of times. I know you've had spent a little bit of time That's working right. with them in the past. That's exactly right, yeah. But the whole process was, from our perspective, very agile. We really did have daily meetings at this point where we would talk about the tactics we were going to employ on a given call with the customer, talk about the experiences we'd had um, on the back end of talking to these customers and, and change course accordingly. So we often ask our guests on this show a little bit about the methods that they're using with their teams. And you know, sometimes that's Scrum, sometimes it's Kanban, a combination of both. Curious, which practices and methods are working for you? So I'm, I'm not sure I would, this may be ignorance on my side, you know, identify the process we use as Scrum or any other process like that. In very simple terms, you know, I think about some of the, the campaigns and activities that we run in marketing that, you know, require significant planning. 
as something that is perhaps linear and what you might describe as waterfall. I'll give you an example of one of those in a second. And those that um, require a much more a much nimbler approach where we are calibrating the project um, on an ongoing basis and iterating towards a conclusion and breaking things down into manageable chunks. So an example of a, uh, let, let's do the waterfall thing first. I, you mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, Frank. As a publicly traded company, I think there's certain things that we do in marketing that just don't naturally align with an agile approach. A good example for me would be the quarterly earnings process, um, which I'm involved in. So as we go through that quarterly cycle, very time consuming for our executives, obviously, and it's very prescribed what we are doing and the certain steps we have to go through uh, for disclosure reasons and certainly ways we have to display information at certain times and it's all by the book. I don't see that kind of process requiring or benefiting in any way really from, from anything agile. It, it is what it is. You turn the handle, things happen, and you move on to the next quarter. But it doesn't feel like anything could benefit from, from agile. I think where agile works really well is where you're working on a project where you are in some sense experimenting or with the outcome. Or you're looking for you're looking for quick feedback on on a campaign or a set of activities and you are planning to react to that feedback. Like most marketing organizations today, you know, we're very data driven here. Um, and you get constant feedback on everything that you do, and in, especially in the digital world. And that can be very, very powerful if you act on it quickly. And it can encourage, I think, a very agile approach to the way you work because you're getting almost instant uh, reactions from the market based on activities that you, you conduct. So as I work on a campaign, which might be a thought leadership campaign around you know, data privacy, which is a very big issue at the moment, data sovereignty concerns, you know, that is a very large scale complex campaign, but the elements of it as we move forward around this camp set of campaigns, which is going to take us all the way through 2016, there's plenty of opportunities there to calibrate as we move forward around messaging, around market dynamics, around our understanding of what the market needs are. You just gave a great example of something that's very topical. I'm curious, is your team set up, if, if something happened in the marketplace tomorrow around that topic, let's say there was a major breach for, for a well-known company, is your team ready to develop content and respond to that in real time or near real time? That, exactly, we are. So in the, in the case of data privacy, um, this whole conversation has been driven out of Europe at the moment anyway. And you, if you've been following this news, you might have heard of uh, the recent demise of Safe Harbor as a regulatory framework and the announcement from the European Union quite recently about their, their new uh, GDPR regulations, which um, align data privacy laws across all 28 EU member countries. Um, this is very, very big news in, in the world of data privacy and will have, I'd argue, you know, big implications for most large-scale companies going forward. So all of this news, we could not predict when it would happen. People had been talking for some time that Safe Harbor was going to be overturned. Um, there were several law cases going through courts. And then we knew that GDPR was going to come out of Brussels, uh, the first iteration of these laws, sometime soon, but nobody could predict when. So the GDPR decision actually happened um, a week ago, and we were 
prepared to react to that in as near real time as we could. So, for example, we had some research findings that we had in our back pocket that indicated that organizations were ill-prepared for these new laws. And we were able to use that information very effectively with press, for example, as they were looking for informed commentary on on these, you know, very new developments. And we could act, you know, within the news cycle, which these days is certainly far less than 24 hours, to get our commentary out uh, and into the news stream. So yes, it, it has huge benefits in my world of corporate comms to be able to work in an agile fashion because the world I work in is, you know, the news cycles have contracted so much. So what about the challenges? Give me, give me a sense of, I know when we talked, I want to say probably two, two and a half years ago, the first time about Agile, you weren't quite as ebullient, I guess is the word I'm thinking of. You were articulating some of the challenges of trying to make it work in a world full of planners. It is. Um, and I still struggle, some, Frank, with a, with a lot of it. You know, we've, uh, I'll give you a few, a few slices of my struggles. You know, we've worked with a couple of tools here to help us work with in, in a, a more agile fashion. So we've used Trello, which you might be familiar with, and we're currently using Workfront. And we have a team of project managers that um, you know, orchestrated activities with a lot of help from these tools across the whole organization. So this just isn't just marketing, it can involve you know, outside vendors and a whole bunch of other people. And I'd say that, and I'm speaking personally here, some of my colleagues may disagree, I'd say that you know there's been some struggles using those tools and using them effectively across a large disparate team of people and being able to stay agile. It can often feel like uh, the very tools you're using to keep us all moving forward quickly and being reactive and uh, all of that can slow you down and make things more complicated perhaps than sometimes they need to be. Have you done any training with those tools, just out of curiosity? Yeah, we have. So we did quite a bit of training using Trello and similarly with, with Workfront. Don't get me wrong, they, they are hugely helpful in many, many ways. Uh, one key way I think they are helpful is that they help you understand the resourcing question and where the bottlenecks are and yeah, and, and, and react accordingly. And that, that is enormously helpful, but in many other ways they can be very, very helpful. If, I'm, if I just look, though, through the lens of how can we be more agile, it, it can be a struggle sometimes. So final question for us, and then we'll wind things up today. What advice would you have for someone who's maybe a couple of years behind where you guys are in, in the evolution with agile? And they're just thinking about getting started. What advice would you give them? I, I would say, you know, start on projects where you, you're in command of your own destiny. So projects that it, it involve just your team or just your department where you can uh, manage things effectively. Start on projects where you're going to get data in and that will help you use that data to, in a meaningful way in the, as you move forward and react. You're not going to try to attack the semi-annual interlock confab that happens. Uh, <laughs> I know Ian and I sat through a few of those back in the day, so that's why I can... Day, Frank, went on for months. <laughs> I, I still have nightmares about those. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're not going to tackle those things. So, you know, start small. It's Agile can be very, very beneficial. Um, I don't think it's a religion. I think it's a way of thinking, and it's um, a way of reacting to the, the environment you work in. And it's also a way of failing fast. And Frank, you and I have talked about this several times. I think one of the big things I like about Agile is it lets you fail fast. 
and that is a huge plus. So especially on projects where you know you're taking a bit of a stab in the dark, Agile's great. Well, yeah, this is really great. Uh, appreciate you coming on and talking candidly. It sounds like from our last conversation, you guys have evolved quite a bit. It sounds like there's some real success stories as well as still some of the challenges to make I it all aligned with everything everyone's well, doing. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, yeah, I think we have uh, made some made some progress here. And uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more maybe ambulant is the word. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything, uh, one of the things I like to do sometimes is give people a chance to plug something that's going on in your world. Is there anything that you wanted to share with our audience otherwise? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, uh, as we, at the start of this call, I said, you know, one of the interesting things about our company is that, you know, that some of the tools that we sell are designed to help with agility, I would say. And so, uh, you know, I'd encourage folks to look at some of the collaboration solutions that Interlinks offers. We have a product called Interlinks Beer that I mentioned too. Take a look at it. It's a, an interesting tool. It gets around that conundrum of how can I share that sensitive piece of information with my supplier in China and yet keep it safe? How can I do that? And it gets around that problem, keeps you moving forward and keeps you sharing information in a way that can make you productive. So there's my plot. Excellent. Well, thanks. Well, just as a reminder to our listeners out there, you can, you can subscribe to the Marketing Agility Podcast on iTunes. The feed is updating and everyone's getting picking up the latest. Also, you can find out more about the Marketing Agility Podcast on agilemarketingblog.com. Once again, thank you, Ian. Thank you very much, Bob. And thank you, Roland. Everyone, have a great day. Thanks, Frank.